racism. You've got ugly, lazy, and difficulties dude this fucking movie holy fucking shit i feel like i've been threatening to do that not threatening I feel like i've been meaning to do this movie like since i started this podcast like this is one of the ones that i wanted to get to because it's so fucking good um I, i've never seen any of the movies that it's sort of riffing on um I guess there were these movies in like probably the 60s that were like like beach blanket bingo and like how to stuff a wild bikini and like shit like that that like like they were like beach movies it was like a thing like kind of like I guess the western is a genre the beach movie was also a genre and probably there were lots of different you know people in beach movies but I guess maybe not maybe it was just Frankie and Annette right it was Frankie Avalon this like Italian-American like short dude from New Jersey probably and he was a singer and Annette Funicello who was a mouseketeer who also was a singer I guess they like were a couple and they made like cute like romantic comedies where the stakes I think were generally probably pretty low like you nobody was gonna get like you know like the police like don't really seem to exist in this movie like nobody's probably gonna go to jail or get killed um and this movie so those movies came out in like the 60s i never saw them this movie came out in i think 1987 and i did see it like this was a movie that me and my brother used to either we had a tape of it and we would watch it over and over or it was on tv or else like um maybe we would rent it over and over but it was like fucking vhs classics dude and i guess what they were doing was they were doing this like How to describe postmodernism. I feel like postmodernism, in the sense that is relevant to this movie, is like probably came out of like Derrida and Lacan and like these these so how to describe this for the podcast when I'm not actually an expert on it. <laughs> like I was an English major as an undergraduate and I feel like I picked up a lot of this shit, but I never actually like legitimately studied it. My understanding is that modernism was focused on this like one very specific person's perspective. It wasn't like there was one person who was in charge of postmodernism, but kind of like this idea of like the like fractured kind of self and the individual and this stuff. And postmodernism was kind of about, okay, what if we take like Wow, this is such a fucking bad introduction to postmodernism, dude. I didn't even, like, I wasn't even thinking about postmodernism before I started doing this podcast. And then I realized that what's going on in this movie is that the upshot of my attempted description of postmodernism is that these these postmodern ideas of sort of, um, like, pastiche and, 
like sort of self-awareness like that, like breaking the fourth wall and like a lot of these things sort of trickled into the arts from these like philosophy, like literature, like kind of trickled into pop culture. And so you got a lot of like weird, like self-awareness of films in the eighties. And so I think a lot of the shit that's really bizarre in a lot of these movies sort of starts with this, like a lot of it came from Derrida, who was like, why should there only be one reading? Like the one reading of this text that everybody always like goes to is only one possible reading. But what if we read, read this as like in a way that's like totally fucking bonkers. Right. Um, and there's the, this idea of like, if we look at a text as a series of binary oppositions, one of those ends of those oppositions tends to be privileged, right? And would be like, I don't even know if this is Derrida, but like this idea of, right? If we have a binary opposition that is like alive and dead, right? Like we tend to privilege alive over dead, right? Like alive is just kind of better. Or like, if you think about like this culture, right? If we think of black and white as a binary opposition, traditionally in our culture, like white is the good one and black is the bad one, right? That's why like, you know, it plays out. No, that's like a way that a lot of really subtle racism plays out. But um, I guess there was a lot of like, what if we take this idea of like high culture and low culture, and like instead of saying like high culture is more valid, what if we like privilege low culture, right? And so I think a lot of like trash culture in the '80s, at least the really self-aware stuff, right? Not like the like unironic like gore stuff or whatever I feel like a lot of this like silliness is this like filtered down these ideas that came from like what if we like interrupt the way that we consume a text or interpret a text in this way right and so Back to the Beach is this super like 80s pop fucking uh pomo reinterpretation of these movies that Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello made when they were younger um, and it's like a send-up of those movies, but it's also kind of like an unironic version of it, which I think is awesome, right? Like, I've talked shit about, like, that approach to filmmaking that's like, oh, like, slasher movies are stupid, so let's make a really stupid slasher movie. Like, I feel like that's kind of a one-trick pony. Like, that's one-dimensional. There's not that much you can do with that besides try to be really stupid. And I guess, like, I wouldn't rule out really enjoying something that's intentionally stupid, but I feel like it's more interesting when there's this sort of, like when there is a layer that can be kind of unironic and I mean don't get me wrong this movie is bonkers and silly and like I said the stakes never seem that high and it's not like we're dealing with life and death here but I feel like thinking about it in terms of a binary opposition right when we talk about like the grim film right versus the ridiculous film I feel like those are not necessarily a classic binary opposition grimness versus ridiculousness but I feel like for the sake of this fucking podcast who is going to stop me from framing those as a binary opposition and so like right like if we think about like grim as serious and ridiculous as like not serious and therefore like bad right what if we look at something that is ridiculous and instead look for the things that are valuable in that and what this might be kind of facetious on my part actually all I'm trying to say is that this movie is 80s as fuck and also it has awesome punks in it um if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, like, maybe you've noticed that, like, I love 80s movie punks. I feel like they're, like... Okay, so, here's the thing. 
Frankie and Annette have a kid in this movie named Bobby who's like just about to hit puberty but he's not there yet at one point he thinks he's gonna get murdered by the they're surf punks they're not even like regular punks he thinks he's gonna get murdered by the surf punks and he goes man I bet puberty would have been great because he's not quite there yet um so he is this like I don't know 11 or something and he like is trying so hard to be a punk but like his dad is a car salesman and his mom is Annette Funicello and she's like like there's the the joke is how like Annette is this really like sweet person and Frankie is this like super uptight used car salesman who doesn't know how to have fun and Bobby's this like angry punk teenager who fucking hates everything um like the movie opens and he's wearing okay he's wearing like bondage pants right he's got a leather jacket on and this like leather cap with like I don't think he's wearing any kind of makeup he's just like this like junior punker in this way that's hilarious and he's like spray painting a big skull and crossbones on the wall of like the like exposed brick wall of his suburban home as Annette Funicello his mom is in the kitchen making peanut butter sandwiches like the joke about her is that she just wants to have peanut butter all the time (laughs) that's such a good joke she's super into peanut butter that's like her shit um and he's like mom I'm so well so it opens and he's like spray painting on the wall and he's like pulling a knife on his dog who is like a full-size french poodle the knife i think is like a switchblade one of those like switchblades that's a comb instead of a knife but he's like flicking it in and out of the dog and doing like karate he's just like doing some kicks and he like goes in the kitchen he's like mom i'm afraid and she's like you're afraid of lunch and he's like i'm afraid that it's gonna be the same thing it is every day and she's like oh why don't you tell me like next time you can have the chunky peanut butter um I feel like I can just say that whole scene along with the movie, even though I haven't seen this movie in a long time. That's not true. I've watched a lot of this movie a few times recently. This is like, I feel like I could watch this movie every fucking day. Maybe not. It would probably, no, I don't think it would get boring. I think I could probably watch this movie every day. If you give me $50,000, I'll watch this movie every day for a year and I will make a podcast about it every day. I feel like there's already a podcast. I think there is a podcast where some people watch Sex in the City 2 once a week and <laughs> then they do a podcast about it like once a week after they watch it so by the end of the year they've watched Sex in the City 2 as many times as there are weeks in the year which I think is a number that I've gotten wrong previously in this podcast anyway um, they're going on vacation this, this family is headed on vacation and then the mom like springs a surprise that they're actually going to stop in California by the beach to have like a surprise visit with their daughter right they've got the like Bobby has an older sister um who lives in California by the beach and so they have this like surprise visit and they go and uh Frankie Avalon doesn't do a great job as the dad in this movie he like he's a terrible father he's abusive towards his son in a way that's played for jokes but like actually like kind of like I tried to revisit Married with Children, that old TV show from the late 80s and early 90s, which like my family was super stoked to watch every Sunday night for years and was like, oh, this is truly indefensible. I feel like similar to like The Simpsons or something, like where Homer is just choking Bart all the time. um, These really intense abuse dynamics are played for laughs, but um, similarly, the way that Frankie Avalon treats his daughter is he's like, you can never date anyone. Like, I will literally murder the person that you're dating if I find out that you're dating anyone, even though, like, you're an adult, and I think you probably are in college or something. I don't know what she does. But, so they show up, and they surprise her, and she's got this boyfriend, and he's a surfer, and 
he they're like want to get married but she's like you can't tell my dad because he'll kill you because he's a he's like bad at that um and so they get to her house and he they like start he's like i bet she's got a guy in there and so he starts like trying to break down her door and then it's not working so he takes bobby's leather hat off of his head and puts it on his own head and then starts trying to break down the door with bobby's head which like on the one hand that is probably ridiculous enough to be funny and i'm not gonna lie i laughed about it but on the other hand as you know part of a larger picture of him just being cruel to his fucking kids all the time like it's not that funny i should also mention that as they're walking up the pier i think i saw for a minute there's somebody who's like wearing a jacket but no pants like i think there's this person walking in front of them who's just kind of like frolicking 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 who's like frolicking their way up the the pier and they don't have any pants on and i think their whole butt is just like sticking out as they're frolicking up the pier um so they go in and she's kicked her boyfriend out he's like in the water because they live on a pier she like kicked him out the window into the water with all his clothes and at one point later he's like i don't have any clothes tuna fish are wearing my clothes now um but they come in and our initial like dramatic tension is introduced and like the dad is like looking around for evidence that she had a guy in there it's just like it's kind of a bummer and then he's like i'm gonna go i'm gonna find him and i'm gonna murder him um and so the mom who is nice like comes in and she's like oh mom i'm kind of bummed and her mom is like you know what we should do we should go shopping and so the i think the shopping scene there must be a shopping montage that got cut out because honestly there are a lot of scenes in this movie where stuff is happening and then it just turns into a song and dance routine with like a million people on the beach and i i i, I bet there's a cut somewhere that has you know that shopping montage but we don't see it oh the daughter by the way is played by Lori Laughlin who would go on to be uh I don't remember her name in Full House but she was like Uncle Jesse's wife she was like aunt something um I love Lori Laughlin I think she's the best and so she's also in this movie Rad that I need to do on the podcast at some point which is another like of just like the best movies ever um it's about BMX enthusiasts and like at one point there's this like amazing scene where they do this this like super melodramatic 80s song called send me an angel while they're doing like ballet dancing on their bikes and it's really really obvious that they've got a stunt double for her like doing her like bike tricks like they'll show her face separate from her body just consistently it's like it's fantastic and even though it's super silly that song is so good that it's just like I fucking love it. Similarly, by the time I got to the end of this movie, I was a little bit like, oh, that was silly. But honestly, like, I feel so fucking stoked. Like, I actually legitimately fucking love this movie. Um, so, okay. So what happens is, uh, the dad and the son, Frankie Avalon and Bobby, go down to the beach, and Frankie Avalon accidentally knocks over the surfboard of this guy, Zed. There's, like, a sign that says, like, Zed's Beach or something, and the fucking surf punks are introduced and they're so good dude they're some like i said they're some of the best movie punks that you've ever seen they like oh god should i spoil this now i can spoil this now towards the end there's a surf off right and the surf punks fucking like the good guys like come onto the beach they like roll up to the beach from like land but the surf punks fucking like they jet ski to the surf off which 
seems to imply that they live in the ocean instead of on land, right? Like that sea punk shit that people were talking about a couple years ago that was like a like internet meme that people were into and maybe it was a real thing, but maybe not, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I never like, were there sea punk bands? It is unclear to me. There probably were, right? Of course there fucking were. What, what idiot would not be like, oh, sea punk is a thing. Let's do a like hilarious, stupid sea punk band. Maybe there were great sea punk bands. I feel like pirate punk has been an embarrassing thing for a really long time. And the sea punks are not pirates. They're just like, they're surf punks. They're not even sea punks. Cause nobody has like mermaid hair. It's not like cute and pretty. They're all wearing like, like leather, like, um, Oh, what are, like, leather wetsuits that are covered in, like, studs and safety pins and shit. So, earlier we had seen Sandy, maybe the daughter's name is Sandy. Um, we had seen that she lives over a bait shop, and there's a sign in the bait shop window that says Zed's Bait Shop, right? And then they go, and there's a sign on the beach that says, like, Zed's Beach or whatever the fuck it says. And we meet Zed, and dude, Zed is <laughs> so rad. Like, he doesn't really talk like a human being. He, like... Frankie Avalon knocks over everybody's surfboards and then Zed is like, um, this is my beach. I'm Zed. Like, I am God here. And the, like, this is a sin in my world. I forget what exactly he says, but it's awesome. He's like, I'm God on this part of the beach and what you have done is a sin and like, we're gonna kill you or something. And it's like, all oh, these just great. There's this like, I feel like this one of the sea punks who's like walking around with his shirt off all the time and he's got like weird like makeup and his hair is sticking up in these red spikes. He's like, I don't think he has any lines. At one point in the opening credits, there's this like nice looking boy who has a sign that says he's doing babysitting. So somebody hands him a baby and then he like summons this other like pudgy, like punk dude who's really tall and probably has a mustache who's this like character actor and hands the baby to that guy. And then that guy is babysitting and actually seems to be doing a pretty great job of babysitting. Um, fucking. So they have some, they, they go back and forth, right? Like Zed is like, I'm God here and these are sins. And Frankie Avalon is like, this is like a sissy surfboard. Like back in my day, we used to ride these like long, cool, heavy surfboards. And they go back and forth and they don't get killed. And then they leave and then they go to the bar and Dick Dale is playing. And, and Annette Finicella is like, look, Dick Dale is playing. He's our friend from our old movies that we used to be in. It's unclear, by the way, whether those movies are movies in this world or whether they are, no, I think they're canon. I think they're real because Frankie Avalon is a surfer again in this movie, except he's afraid to surf. We'll get to it. Um, you go to the bar, um, Frankie Avalon is like, I don't want to have fun. And Dick, he's like, Dick Dale, do you know Venus? Cause I'm like a middle-aged, like Italian American dad who's really uptight. And I want to do like a like maudlin, like, you know what I mean? Like feel like the only way I know how to have feelings is with like sad songs. I'm like, it's like, not just an Italian American thing. I feel like this is totally like a like English grandpa thing too. Of like I'm a man and the only feelings I know are, you know, like maudlin sad song feelings when I'm drunk. But instead Dick Dale is like, you're asking me, Dick Dale, if I know how to play Venus? No, but I know this. And then they play that song that's like, I'm going out west where I belong. And if they shimmy, I'll shimmy. And if they fly, I'll fly. And he's like having such a good time. There's all these people. There's like a girl in like a two piece, like bikini wetsuit. Who's like whipping this really long ponytail around. And there's like a dozen people in the band and Frankie Avalon sings a song and like everybody's at the bar and they're all having a great time. And then he, Annette is like, we missed our flight. And so they have to stick around. And also I guess the like other love interest, Connie, Connie Stevens, I think is her name. She's like grown up and she's like, shows him her like shrine to when he was younger and he was the big kahuna, which is the like 
appropriative of Hawaiian culture name that they gave him for being like the best like white dude surfer, right? Um, and that's a recurring theme. Nobody can say big kahuna. They call him like the big caboose or like the big crepola. It's all like very like sweet um, humor in this way. There's like not a lot of cussing in this movie. Um, and so he like, he and Annette have a fight and he gets wasted and Annette goes off and um, like they're, Annette and Sandy are bummed so Annette is like what we need to do is have a pajama party and I feel like the pajama party that they have was a pretty important influence on my young understanding of like what femininity could be because it is bonkers dude they're wearing the most like elaborate like silly like not racy at all lingerie it's like adorable and they're like having they're like having a dance party at the pajama party while they're um while they're listening to a song about having a pajama party and then the punks come over and they're like such like cute like good-natured rude like they're like like zed fucking and by the way zed is like the most attractive dude I've ever seen. He's like such a good looking man. And I was like, why haven't I seen, why didn't he get more roles? And it turns out he died from AIDS a few years after this movie was made, which is such a bummer. Cause he's like, he doesn't have that much to do in this movie, but like he just kills it and he's super beautiful. So he and the punks come over and they interrupt the pajama party. Um, to be clear, the actor who played Zed, I don't know his name, is the one who died, not the character Zed. Um, Although, no, I'm not going to make a joke about that. It's a bummer. Um, so, so they have this pajama party. I feel like I just want to tell you about every moment. Like, I want this podcast to be the exact length of the movie or longer. Even though I always want the podcast to be shorter, right? I don't actually want it to be longer. Um, Zed and the punkers come over and they disrupt the pajama party by, like, dancing with the girls and the girls are like get the fuck out of here so they leave like they just do a good job like they don't do a perfect job with consent right like he's like Zed is like dancing with Annette and she's like I don't want to be dancing with you or maybe no you know what Annette is into it she's stoked to dance with Zed and then um Lori Laughlin is like no you can't fucking that's my mom you can't dance with my mom and so he turns around and starts dancing with her and she's like no I don't want to be dancing with you either and so they make it so he leaves like he listened. He was rude to start dancing with her non-consensually, but he was like, okay, sorry. And then the punks leave. Like, that's like great conflict. I feel like there was like a small conflict and then it was resolved. Um, and so they leave and then meanwhile, Frankie's getting wasted. And then the next morning he wakes up and he wakes up all the surfers, I guess, mostly like sleep in a pile on, in this building that's like three stories up and they wake up because it's time to surf because I guess surfers have to get up really early to surf and this dude mountain is like I guess it's his like house on a pole mountain he's like people start calling and that's how they wake up and he's like mountain surf report and he's got this like great California dude accent and he's like oh, it's looking pretty gnarly out there dude you better get surfing um and I thought this was the funniest thing I'd ever heard when I was a kid. At one point, this, he gets a call and he's like, hold on, dude, it's your mom. And he like yells to this other dude in the in the, uh, in the the house on a pole. And the other dude is like, dude, I can't talk. I got to surf. So Mountain goes, uh, sorry, he can't talk. He's dead <laughs> and hangs up the phone. Dude, I had never seen something that fun. That's probably an overstatement, but I fucking love I thought that was the funniest shit when I was a kid. Um... So the one surfer dude gives Frankie a migraine or like a hangover cure that he drinks and then he yells and then 
Um, he's like, what can I do to make it up to you? And the surfer dude is like, can I marry your daughter? And he's like, it's you. And he tries to murder him. And then he finds out that the kid who wants to marry his daughter is the son of Connie, the girl that he like was like the rival for his love with Annette back in the day. Which I think actually is a really similar way of solving the love triangle problem to what happens in the Twilight books and movies. Um, and I'm gonna spoil them for you, so if you don't want Twilight spoilers, what happens is that this Jacob, like, mystically gets with Bella and Edward's kid, like, and then she, like, ages really quickly, and, like, it's not like they don't do anything while she's a kid, but, like, he's just, like, when you're, like, old enough, we're gonna be in love forever. Um, and that's basically what happens in Back to the Beach, too, except that nobody is immortal, but, like, you know, Connie didn't get to get with Frankie, but her son gets to get with his daughter. And so, um, I feel like probably we've had a couple Gilligan's Island, Gilligan's Island jokes already. I kept a tally while I was watching it. I, there are six, uh, allusions to Gilligan's Island in this movie. Um, I think it was a time when that was just on the pop culture radar. I think it might have had something to do with, like, syndication being new, maybe, or maybe just Gilligan's Island, like got syndicated really hard. I'm not sure, but Gilligan shows up at the end of the movie, the ski, he like falls in love with this girl who's way younger than him. And he's like, we're going to be in love forever. And then the skipper shows up and he's like, we got to go on a three hour tour. Um, God, I'm talking a lot. Like I said, I have a lot to say about this fantastic movie. Um, just looking at my notes to skip ahead. There's a, whatever. Um, so where are we? We're at the bar. Frankie has found out that... I don't, who knows what the surfer's name is, but that he wants to marry the daughter. Um, there's probably been a couple um, musical numbers. Annette is, like, making Frankie jealous by get, trying to, like, pretend like she's going to get with this guy Troy, who's, like, a rich sleazebag who wears, like, this totally... just consistently is wearing, like, either amazingly tiny banana hammocks or, like, these, like, outlandish, like, lime green, like, ascot suits. Um, she's, like, making Frankie jealous, and Frankie's like, we're going to make her jealous by having fun, but then Fishbone shows up, and Fishbone backs Annette as they do a song about Ska that frames Ska not as, like... A music with a pretty long and traditional history that Fishbone is, like, very much aware of and involved in, but instead as, like, um, as a new dance that people on the beach need to learn, and so they do this song, the Ska 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 song, and it's fucking great, dude, like, fucking Fishbone, you know? Can't go wrong with Fishbone. Like, Angelo Moore is freaking out with his saxophone, looking cool as hell. Um, and at the end of the song, like, everybody just, like, marches off into the sunset on the beach, leaving Frankie Avalon alone by himself. And he, like, is just, like, standing there sadly and then walks in the other direction, I guess, because he's, like, doesn't want to give in and, like, have fun with Annette. He's trying to have fun, like, against Annette. Um, everyone is wearing these amazing poofy skirts. Like, these, like, poofy skirts that, like, match their bikini tops. Like, everybody just looks fantastic. Um... I don't think the punks were involved in the ska song, which is funny because I feel like there has historically been overlap there, but maybe surf punks don't like ska. It's probably like true stuff. Um, we find out that the surfer who wants to marry Sandy like makes and makes surfboards and like does these like really good paint jobs on them and then just gives them away. And 
uh, Frankie Avalon was like, dude, you got to sell these. Like, if you want to have a family, you got to, like, sell these surfboards instead of giving them away. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe capitalism is cool. And so he sells a bunch of surfboards. Um, for some reason, they decide they need to have a party on the beach. But there's a harbor master, which is a position I have never heard of other than in this movie. But... Maybe it's a real thing. There's this harbor master who is played by some character actor whose voice sounds familiar to me, but I don't recognize him for anything or from anything. I think maybe who fucking knows his name shows up and I don't recognize it in the credits, but he's like very conceited. He's like no parties on the beach. Like I'm a like asshole, like Nazi, probably not a Nazi, but like I'm like a asshole harbor master who doesn't think anybody should have any parties. And they're like, well, it's not like a regular party. It's like a like ceremony in your honor. And he's like, oh, well, in that case, I am fucking stoked to have a party. So they throw this enormous party. The harbor master finds out that it's not for him and he's bummed about it. But also he, um, like the surfer guy whose name I don't know, who's going to marry Sandy. Like, he's like, he gets this girl to be like, I'll make out with you if that'll make you not be mad and shut down the party. And he's like, okay. So that girl like kind of took one for the team or maybe she was into him. It's hard to say, but whatever the upshot of that is uh, Pee Wee Herman shows up and does a song um, he's like carried in on a surfboard by these like enormous muscular men and then his, these enormous muscular men are like his backup band and some of these guys who are in his band are also um, in Dick Dale's band and the funny thing is Pee Wee Herman is not known as a singer right like he danced to tequila in Pee Wee's Big Adventure but like he's he's he doesn't as a singer he doesn't even seem to be much of a singer like he does that song about how the like the bird is the word and he does some dancing and at one point like it looks like I couldn't tell for sure but it looks like one of the guys who plays guitar in the band um, who may actually be Mountain from the Mountain Surf Report like it seems like multiple characters have multiple jobs in this movie kind of like how Zed owns a bait shop but also is god of the beach and is like the boss of the surf punks um mountain may also play guitar in Pee Wee herman's band he swings anyway he swings it around at one point and it looks like there might be a skateboard on the bottom of his guitar like he might be able to flip over his guitar and then have it be also a skateboard which is a cool move anyway Wee does that song um i think everybody makes up with everybody else like frankie and annette make up and it's a little bit like well now it happens because Pee-wee finishes his song and he like shoots off into space on a magic surfboard and then um it's like okay well it seems like all the loose ends are tied up but they're not right because we have not resolved the issue of the surf punks which like hadn't re- like I've kind of it seems like there's like an uneasy piece right like they're not actually stabbing or murdering anyone they don't even really seem to be bothering anyone like if you stay away from the part of the beach where Zed is God like it seems like you're fine with the surf punks but they show up and I guess um oh man they show up and Bobby has like totally become a surf punk he reports that they have elected him president which is funny because it seems like I don't know that much about communist politics but it seems like one of those things where like there's like a general and a like dictator and maybe a president and then also like a god i guess communist like organizations don't have gods but like they explicitly endorse communism and i guess it seems like that to me because it seems like there are a lot of really high up ranks that people have holy shit dude is that a fox (laughs) that's awesome i totally just saw a fox run across the street in front of me what What kind of omen is a fox, I wonder? A fox is probably an omen for when 
you're stoked because I feel stoked talking about this movie. So anyway, the surf punks, I forget what the stakes are, but they like challenged everybody else to a surf off the next day and said that it's like our best surfer against your best surfer and said it's like I'm our best surfer and they're like oh like dude who wants to marry Sandy like you're our best surfer and so they set the surf off for the next day but then Frankie Avalon drops an enormous drum on the foot of their best surfer and so um he can't surf his leg is all messed up or his foot is all messed up and then the next morning they they come for the surf off and there's like announcers and there's this woman who like calls Frankie Avalon the big crapola um, instead of the big kahuna and the surf off happens uh, wait no so they're like our main dude can't do the surf off so like we're gonna have Robin be our surfer instead Robin as far as I know is not a character who has been named I looked away when they announced that Robin was the new was gonna be their new best surfer and like when I look back I was like I don't even know who Robin is like I don't know why they chose Robin but I guess not a lot of the secondary characters get names um but then fucking Frankie Avalon is like no way dude I got this I'm gonna surf again because his backstory which I forgot to tell you about is that he was surfing when he was younger maybe in a competition or something I don't know and this thing called the Humunga Kawabunga from Down Under which is basically uh, um uh, what's the word for a giant wave there's a word for that is an enormous wave. It like wrecked him and he's never been able to surf again. And that's why they moved to Ohio because he didn't want to surf again, I guess. Um, but it's like a ritual. It's like an ongoing thing that like whenever <laughs> anybody mentions dinner, he wants to tell the accident story and like the story of his surfing accident. And so he's like, okay, I'll fucking surf against you guys, whatever. And then he's like kind of bad. And one of the funny things about the surfing competition is that it's hard to tell when you're looking at Zed and when you're looking at Frankie, like I feel like Zed should be easy to determine because he's got the like black leather wetsuit with all the studs and safety pins on it. But in practice, I guess we were trying to tell who was surfing at what time and it was hard to distinguish. Um, but it's like not going well for our heroes, right? It's that classic, classic like tension trope of like, what um, are we gonna do? Like, or not, what were we gonna do? But just like, he's like falling behind, right? He's like getting judged. These people are giving ranks for their surfing performances and he's losing. And then the fucking humongous Kawabunga from Down Under like shows up again and he's like, oh fuck, like this is bad. And everybody's like, you're gonna die. And even Zed is like on the beach. And he's like, dude, come in, you're gonna die. Zed doesn't really talk like that. He talks more of like a, dude, come in, you're gonna die. Um, but he doesn't, he winds up surfing the fucking humunga Kawabunga from Down Under. And like, I guess that was another thread, right? I didn't tell you that that was a thread that remained uh, un untied, I guess, that remained loose. Cause I forgot to tell you about that, but um, he like kind of solves his character arc problem Annette doesn't really have a character uh, character arc problem to solve, but she seems fine. Actually, um, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis right before this movie happened, and so she, I think she, my, my understanding is that she was starting to like lose some mobility slash like feel other effects from MS as she was filming this movie and didn't make another movie after this, um, which is interesting because she like does a, she's like so fucking charming in this movie. Um, so. Yeah, so he fucking surfs a dude, and at first he's like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing it. And then 
he like they like cut away to the people on the beach who have their reaction shot to like holy shit he's surfing the humonga kawabunga and then they cut back and he's like now he's like having a, a nice time and then they cut to the people on the beach and they cut back to him and now he's like sitting on a fucking lawn chair on his surfboard while he's doing it because he's so good at surfing the humonga kawabunga from down under and then the last time they cut back to him he's he's like hitting a golf ball off a tee on his surfboard because he's so comfortable surfing on this fucking tidal wave or whatever um so he does it and he obviously wins the competition but then um there don't really seem to be any consequences for the punkers for losing for the surf punks for losing the competition um because the next scene we're back at the bar and fucking okay it's mountain um zed and i feel like one other guy doing this like acapella thing that's like just super clearly um sound being superimposed over it i feel like there might not even be microphones while they're on stage they do this like acapella intro and then they do a song and i'm pretty sure that like none of the characters who are doing this closing song um are anywhere near microphones and it's kind of choreographed and we find out that bobby is no longer identifying with the punks he's now wearing like a like shiny green suit and he's got his hair done like his dad and like just like all the punks and all the surfers and all the old people and everybody do this like final song where they're all just like stoked to be together and they love each other and it's like um it's like the parts of steven universe that make you cry you're just like i can't believe that like yes the stakes were very low and we were never super worried about any of these characters but it's still really nice that they're all friends at the end of the movie and just like doing a silly song on and not a silly song kind of like a heartfelt i love you song although it's not like the kind of maudlin thing that frankie wanted to do initially it's like an upbeat i love you kind of song um it's fucking great dude i feel like i didn't even look at my notes what else (laughs) my notes at the end are like i wrote like in big letters all in capitals i love this movie like that's the kind of notes that i was taking oh right fucking so what's his name uh proposes to sandy on stage during this performance and it's awesome she accepts and Gilligan has to go um I don't know man I feel like I will talk shit about an artificial solution to a problem in a movie right and like I will talk shit about the like shitty dude proves himself to be exceptional thereby winning the love of the people around him trope and like that stuff is all real right like why the fuck did Bobby decide to identify with his father instead of the punks now right because his dad is good at surfing like that is stupid um but like undeniably kind of heartwarming right like who doesn't want to identify with their dad and feel like I wish I was my dad right like I guess that's a loaded question but you know what I mean like who doesn't want to feel like my dad rules and I want to be more like him you know what I mean um and who doesn't want to see like everybody be friends again like it's just and like make music I don't know you fucking feel me dickholes you know what I'm talking about um I also I found out I was like okay so because of the ridiculousness of this movie I was like this movie clearly must be some like VHS trash like nonsense that's kind of forgotten by history or like at least like derided as as terrible right um but i looked it up on amazon and there not only are there like hundreds of reviews of this movie but it has like it has like four and a half stars as an average rating it is like it is rated as highly as my well-received debut novel nevada like they're like birds of a feather in that sense um 
it's like people fucking love it people are also right to love this fucking movie like I don't know man just thinking about it doesn't feel cynical right like I feel like so much feels so much just like of the stuff that we interact with in our lives feel really feels really cynical feels really like calculated or like um I don't know. I don't have a, a better synonym for cynical. It just feels really cynical. And this movie feels like it's it's stupid, but it's like also like wide-eyed and like just like I don't know. I feel like charmed and happy watching this shit and I um I guess I feel stoked to feel happy. Like feeling happy is nice. I've been pretty overwhelmed lately. <laughs> Alright truck, that's the dick holes. That's it. Imogen Benny on Twitter. This song is by People Watching. That other song was by Gorgon. Fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset. What's gonna keep me from waiting See ya.